Uh, if you have your Bibles, turn to the book of Haggai. I hope that you read those two chapters this week. You know, one of the reasons I'm so amazed by God is, is the timing of this message couldn't be better. And, and you'll see what I'm talking about in just a minute. And there's no way I could have planned this because there's no way I'd be knowing that we'd be taking a, a membership vote this week uh, while we're preaching on the book of Haggai. And, and I just want to kind of preface this. If you've been at Grapevine for a year or longer, you have heard us talk about Grace Grace and begin again. As a matter of fact, it was a year ago today, I didn't even realize that, that I preached that message again in this church. I called it Begin Again, Grace Grace. And, and we are back into that area of Scripture with Haggai and next week Zechariah where we've kind of pulled that theme out. And, and God has done some amazing things since we started preaching this message, since we started believing God at his word. Amen? Now, Haggai is the second shortest book in the Old Testament. The only other short, shorter book is Obadiah, one chapter. So it was an easy read, so I was able to read it a few times this week. So we're down to the last three minor prophets. And, and I've got to be honest with you. I, I, uh, I'm loving it, but at the same time, I'm growing weary. You know? I'm so glad that today we're going to talk about uh, Haggai because his name means festival. Okay? It doesn't mean like judgment and condemnation and doom and gloom like all the other guys that we've been preaching about. His name actually means festival. And it may be because he was born during one of the festivals. We don't know for sure. That some scholars speculate that. But I'm not one to kind of jump on the bandwagon. I just know that's what his name means. And I thought you'd like to know that as well. Festival. We should be partying for Jesus. Amen? Yes. All right. This side of the room wants to party for Jesus. What about you guys? Yes. All right. Praise God. Praise God. If you haven't noticed, today is Hawaiian Day. That's why we're all... Flowered up, yeah, yeah. I'm not a flower child. I'm, I'm just supporting our youth ministry, amen, our children's ministry. So, uh, But I do love Hawaii. I love Hawaii. Let's not talk about Hawaii. We're all taking an airplane after church to Hawaii. Michael's paying. <laughs> so Haggai, and as we'll see next week, Zechariah, they prophesied to the Israelites. I'm going to stop and pray after I say this paragraph. <laughs> they prophesied to the Israelites after their 70 years of captivity in Babylonian captivity, if you will. They, they started prophesying, and, and Haggai challenged them to rebuild the temple of God. In their first year, they were able to build an altar to God for special offerings. You can see that in, in, in Ezra chapter 3. You want to go back a little bit to, to get the context, to, to read the history of, what we're, of where we're going this morning. In the second year, they started to rebuild the temple, but the work stopped. You see that also in Ezra 3 and Ezra chapter 5. They never finished the work. They were distracted and they were discouraged by the nations surrounding them to continue the work of the Lord. Let me just read two verses to you before I pray. Ezra chapter 4, verse 4. Then the people of the land tried to discourage the people of Judah. They troubled them in building. Jump down to verse 24 in Ezra. It says, Thus the work of the house of the Lord, which is at Jerusalem, ceased, and it was discontinued until the second year of the reign of Darius, king of Persia. And you'll see that in just a few minutes. So that's a little bit of the background. The work had stopped until Haggai came into the picture about 20 years later. 
Now let me pray before I go any farther. Father, thank you for your word. I ask for your help this morning to, to preach this message. Give me the grace, Lord, to, to hear from you this morning and the ears to hear from you as your Holy Spirit moves through the hearts of the people in this room today. Pray that we'd all receive a blessing from you this morning, from your word, that we would all leave challenged and encouraged. And if conviction is needed, go ahead, Lord. I want to say convict me, God, because I want to be closer to you when I leave this place than when I walk in. In Jesus' name, amen. So I want to read to you Haggai chapter 1. I didn't get anybody else to read today, so bear with me. In the second year of King Darius, in the sixth month, on the first day of the month, the word of the Lord came to Haggai, the prophet, to Zerubbabel, the son of Shittil, governor of Judah, and to Joshua, the son of Jehozadak, the high priest, saying, Thus speaks the Lord of hosts, saying, This people says, The time has not come, the time that the Lord's house should be built. Then the word of the Lord came to Haggai the prophet, saying, Is it time for you yourselves to dwell in your paneled houses, and this temple lie in ruins? Now therefore, thus says the Lord of hosts, Consider your ways. You have so much and bring in little. You eat but do not have enough. You drink but you are not filled with drink. You clothe yourselves but no one is warm. And he who earns wages earn wages to put them into a bag with holes. Thus says the Lord of hosts, consider your ways. Go up to the mountains and bring wood and build the temple that I may take pleasure in it and be glorified, says the Lord. You looked for much, but indeed it came to little. And when you brought it home, I blew it away. Why, says the Lord of hosts? Because of my house that is in ruins. While every one of you runs to his own house, Therefore, the heathen, the heavens, excuse me, the heavens above you withhold the dew. Heavens withhold your dew too, but here, we'll, we'll, we'll do. the heavens above withhold your dew, and the earth withholds its fruit. For I called for a drought on the land and the mountains and on the grain and the new wine and the oil, on whatever the ground brings forth, on men and livestock and on all the labor of your hands. Then Zerubbabel, the son of Shittil, to Joshua, the son of Jehozadak, the high priest, with all the remnant of the people, obeyed the voice of the Lord their God and the words of Haggai the prophet as the Lord their God had sent him. And the people feared the presence of the Lord. Then Haggai, the Lord's messenger, spoke the Lord's message to the people, saying, I am with you, says the Lord. So the Lord stirred up the spirit of Zerubbabel, the son of Shittil, governor of Judah, and the spirit of Joshua, the son of Jehoshadak, the high priest, and the spirit of all the remnant of the people. And they came and worked on the house of the Lord of hosts, their God. And on the 24th day of the sixth month in the, year of, in the second year of King Darius, listen, nothing had been done to build on the house of the Lord in a long time. And the people had become apathetic and complacent. And Haggai challenged them to begin again in rebuilding the temple of God. We know the exact timing of these events because Haggai, unlike most of the other Old prophet, uh, prophet Testament prophets, I'm still having a hard time. Somebody else pray for me, please. He identified very clearly when he was prophesying. Matter of fact, he preaches four messages in a period of four months. The messages are this. I'm not going to cover them all today. I just want you to know what you read. Number one, the call to rebuild the temple. 
Number two, that the temple was to be filled with the glory of God. Those who we'll cover this morning. Number three, a defiled people become purified and blessed. And number four, God's promise to exalt Zerubbabel greatly. Grace, grace for those who have been here in the past. Grace, grace on you who are new to Grapevine Fellowship. And maybe next week I'll have a chance to explain what grace... I don't even know what I'm preaching next week. I know a book I'm preaching out of. That's a head start, right? Although next week I think it's 14 chapters, so the content is vast. But Haggai, his words, they stirred up the people and they repented. That's a good thing. Man, whenever the word of God is preached and people repent and their hearts are stirred, that's a good thing. Amen? That is my desire every Sunday, that the word of God would stir the hearts of the people of God. Amen? And people would repent and turn back to God. And he revived their passion for God. Look at verse 14 again. So the Lord stirred up the spirit of Zerubbabel. I'm going to skip some of that. The spirit of Joshua and the spirit of all the remnant of the people. And they came and worked on the house of the Lord, their God. There's a stirring going on in the house of God. I am praying for a stirring of God's people today to become excited again about the work of God. I'm praying that God would stir the hearts of believers and unbelievers. Amen? That unbelievers would get stirred up and and drawn to the house of God. And I'll tell you what stirs unbelievers is believers. Amen? Amen? Believers stir unbelievers. It's our call. It's our commission. It's really not, listen, this really isn't about building the temple as much as it's about restoring a heart of worship. Really, it's not about building a building. It's not about building a temple. Listen, you are the temple. In the Old Testament, they needed temples to worship God in. We don't necessarily need a temple to worship God in. We need a temple to train us up so that we can go out there and stir the hearts of unbelievers. I'm starting to march. Jericho march. Here I go. (laughs) Hallelujah. (laughs) Sister Jerry says, you're a marching preacher. I said, I'm a karate preacher too. Hallelujah. (laughs) I don't know nothing about karate. But the people needed to have God as the center of their lives. The temple, which is the dwelling place of God, had been torn down for too long. Listen, the dwelling place of God has been torn down for too long in America. The people of God have been apathetic and unsympathetic and distracted and busy. And without a temple... There won't be any worship of God. And without any worship of God, there won't be any spiritual compass, any moral compass for us to follow. If I didn't worship God and read the word and pray, I would be lost. I would be so lost. And there's so many people who sit in the house of God every Sunday or every Wednesday who spiritually are still a little lost. They know Jesus. Jesus is Lord of their life, but they don't know him intimately. Yeah, I know Jesus. Do you? 
The Israelites, they lived only for themselves. They lived for their own comfort and their own enjoyment. They actually had left God, and that's why, that's why in chapter 1, verse 2, God called them this people and not my people. He's talking about the Israelites. God's chosen people says this people. I hope God never says about that about me. This guy, this guy. I want him to say my guy. Oh, Russell, who let you in with that shirt? Ushers? <laughs> You're lucky it's purple. That's the only reason we let you in because we like purple at Grapevine. Amen? Hallelujah. Yeah, I'm telling you, football season can be rough. We're having an empty church. Escorting everybody out of here. That ain't, that ain't right, is it? Haggai, he was called to change all that. God sent him to wake up his people. And the call of God on my life is to wake up a body. It's to wake up, a, I'm not even going to talk about cowboys, to wake up a people. <laughs> and I brought him from Victorville. I don't even know what I'm thinking. Here's the question I want to answer today. We'll get into this. Usually these things are like really deep lately. It's kind of a shallow point because I just want to preach the word of God to you today. I don't want you to be distracted about writing. What, what did he say there? I want you to hear the word of the Lord today. The question that I want to answer today is, is what does it take to revive a passion for God again in our church, in our city, and in our nation? What is it going to take to to wake up, to stir up the body of Christ. So I entitled this today, Consider Your Ways, because if you read the book, he says it a lot in there. Consider your ways. Number one, establish your priorities. We need to establish some priorities. The people needed to return to God. Listen, without God, they'll never have a life fulfilled. If you're, if you're trying to live this, this life out without putting God first as your first priority, you will never be fulfilled. Without God, something will always be missing in your life. You'll always have this void. Matter of fact, somebody said it like this. There is a God-shaped hole in the heart of every man that only God can fill. It's the truth. Someone else says, you have made us for yourself, O Lord, and our hearts are restless until they rest in you. I remember that. Do you remember that? Remember how restless you were before the Lord? How chaotic life was, how meaningless. Even if you made money, even if you seemed to have success in the world's eyes, there was this God-shaped hole in your heart. I put on the front like I was happy. I had everything together on the outside. I had I had the pleather couch and the spider lamp, you know what I'm saying? I was the ultimate bachelor. Hallelujah. But inside I was dying. We know the condition of the heart of the people in Haggai's time because in verse 2 again it says, This people says the time has not come. The time that the Lord's house should be built. Listen, that's a lame excuse. Timing's not right. Waiting on some things. To get right. You know how many times I hear that as a leader? Can I just tell you this, and I hope it offends you a little bit? It's lame. The Word of God is offensive. I'm sorry. But that's a lame excuse. If you're waiting for things to be in order, guess what? Satan will make sure they never are. 
always throw another distraction at. He'll always throw something else important. He'll always throw another, you fill in the blank. The Lord responded in verse 3, and I want to take a little liberty here. I want to paraphrase. He says, yeah, right. It's not the right time to, to build the Lord's house, but it's time for you to go ahead and put paneling up in your houses. I'm not even going to go there because somebody might have family in their houses. And that's okay. That's okay. Listen, the point is this. They had time and money to build themselves luxury homes, but they can't or they won't rebuild the house of God. They were concerned about their own wants and not the needs of God's house. I, I think there's something here for us to consider. We always seem to find things to do the things that we want, time to find the things that we want to do, but, but sometimes we neglect the things of God. We can eat out all the time, but we can't bring our tithe to the storehouse. We can go to the movies once a week, but we can't find time to make it to the house of God once a week. We can watch three or, three or four or five hours of TV every night, but we're too busy to volunteer our time to serve somebody in our community who needs the Lord. We've chosen not to do some things, not because they are unimportant, but because they will cost us too much. Too much time, too much energy, too much money. Let's just say it like it is. That's what Haggai's talking about. I'm not even bringing this to a tithing message. I'm talking all overall, but bottom line is the resources weren't being brought in to the house of God. They wanted to build hat paneling homes and Praise the Lord. I love paneling. In the 70s, I did. And the 70s are coming back with a vision, so don't you laugh. Don't you laugh at me. It, it's easier for us to say things like, it's not the right time yet, or, 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 or the house of the Lord can wait, it's, it's okay, everything's functioning okay there, or we'll get to it later, let me finish this, or we all have these plans to, to do this, that, and the other thing, and God's house, and God's plan, and God's purposes, and God's will takes a second place priority over many things in our lives. The Israelites were saying, if only we had the time. If only we had the money, if only the conditions were better, if only there was enough people, if only, if only it was more convenient, if only, if only Jesus would return before I have to actually do this stuff. <laughs> oh, I just hit the nail on the head, didn't I? Listen, this is, this is the giving of what's left over. This attitude is the giving of what's left over. It's not the first fruits. The real issue really isn't about time. It's about priorities. You see, priorities, it's not a time issue. It's a heart issue. What do you prefer? What do you really care about? What, what, do you, what, what wakes you at night? What, what, what's your vision? grabs your heart. And, and can I just be real honest? If, it, if it's not something con concerning the things of God, then I, 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 would, I would suspect that your priorities are out of whack. 
If there's not something of God that is grabbing your heart, that gravitates you, that excites you about the things of God, I would suspect that your priorities may be out of alignment. I tread lightly because I know there are a lot of responsibilities. I had to reprioritize my life several times in ministry as my kids aged and grew and as my responsibilities changed. But listen to me. Number one has always been my relationship with Jesus. Always. Nothing, nothing will ever change that. And if it does, I'm in trouble. What do you really care about today? Is it God and his work or is it you and your life? Jesus said it like this in Luke 12. Where your treasure is, your heart will be also. Pastor used to say, if you want me to see your heart, show me your checkbook. Because <laughs> where your treasure is, if I don't see a line item in there of tithing or giving or, you know what I'm saying? Then maybe there's something wrong with our heart. I said my pastor used to say that. I'm not saying that. That's something he used to say. But listen, God deserves more attention than the Israelites were willing to give them. God deserves best, so we should give him our best. We should. We don't bring what's left over to the house of God. We bring what's first. We bring our energy. We bring our joy. We bring our passion. We bring our hope. We bring our peace. There's a dying world who needs all these things from you. You need to be the one who stirs the activity in the spiritual realm, amen? You need to be the one that's excited about what God's doing in your life, amen? Oh, you should come to church with me. Why? Why not? <laughs> there you go. How's that working for you there, Sherlock? We need to think about how we're spending our time, our talents, and our treasures. Don't give God your leftovers. Put him first. Amen? Right. Number two, recognize the source. Look at verses 5 and 6. And of Haggai chapter 1 again. It says, now, now, now therefore, thus says the Lord of hosts, consider your ways. You have so much and bring in little. You eat but do not have enough. You drink but you are not filled with drink. You clothe yourself but no one is warm. And he who earns wages, earn wages to put them into a bag with holes. Listen, we become so consumed with stuff, especially our own stuff. The people of, the children of Israel, they worked hard to make sure that they had food to eat, that they had clothes to drink, that they had, that they had nice homes to go home to. But they weren't overly concerned about the house of the Lord. Sounds like what Jesus was talking about in Matthew chapter 6. Verse 31, he says, Therefore don't worry, saying, What shall we eat? What shall we drink? What shall we wear? For your heavenly Father knows that you need all these things, but seek first the kingdom of God and his what? His righteousness. And all these things will be added to you. Listen, God is drawing attention to himself as the giver and sustainer of life. He is the one that blesses you. Ecclesiastes chapter 6 says, All the labor of a man is for his mouth, and yet his soul is not satisfied. Oh, I'm okay getting plump. But my soul ain't happy. 
David said this in Psalm 23. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. Listen, there should be nothing you want if if God is your shepherd. You should have no needs if God is your shepherd. You want to know the secret to living a blessed life? Recognize the source and trust the giver. Amen? Seek the blesser, or excuse me, seek the blesser and you'll have the blessings. But if you seek the blessings, you probably will miss the blesser. A lot of people today, they're storing up treasures for themselves here. And, it, and Haggai said it's like putting your money in a, in a bag with holes in it. And, 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 and there's people that I know that, that make money and, and, and they do okay and, and they have nothing. They're always struggling from paycheck to paycheck. And there's other people I know that, 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 that really don't make a whole lot of money, just barely above minimum wage, and they're living a life of luxury, not with stuff. But they're content. They're happy. They, they're okay with, their, with what they have. They're not running out buying paneling. Praise the Lord. I know that there's at least two people in this place that have paneling on their houses, and I've, and I've offended you, and I am sorry. I am not trying to offend anybody here. I am not. You do? Okay, good. Listen. Listen. I'm the one wearing flowers around my neck, right? Here's, here's the third point, my last point this morning. We need to restore the glory. Or we could say give God the glory. Put it back where it belongs. God has assured them that he will be with them in their work. Turn to chapter 2 of Haggai. I want to read to you nine verses here. In the seventh month, on the 21st day of the month, the word of the Lord came to Haggai the prophet, saying, Speak now to Zerubbabel, the son of Shatil, governor of Judah, and to Joshua, the son of Jehozadak, the high priest, and to the remnant of the people, saying, Who is left among you who saw this temple in its former glory? And how do you see it now? In comparison with it, is it not in your eyes as nothing? Yet now be strong, Zerubbabel, says the Lord, and be strong, Joshua, son of Jehozadak, the high priest, and be strong, all you people of the Lord, says the Lord, and work, for I am with you. I am with you, says the Lord of hosts. Verse 5, according to the word that I covenanted with you when I came out of Egypt, so my spirit remains among you. Do not fear. For thus says the Lord of hosts, once more, it is a little while, I will shake heaven and earth, the sea and the dry land, and I will shake all nations, and they shall become, they shall come to the desire of all nations, and I will fill the temple with glory, says the Lord of hosts. The silver is mine, the gold is mine, says the Lord of hosts. The glory of this latter temple shall be greater than the former. And in this place, I will give peace, says the Lord of hosts. God is really not concerned about the look of the outward appearance, the external temple. He's not overly concerned about that. It, 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 it's, 
because it's, it's all about him. It's all about his presence. It's all about his glory. It's all about God. He, I love this part, because he will fill his house with a greater glory. I'm contending for a greater glory. I'm contending for a great outpouring of God. The Lord doesn't see as man sees. He looks at the, man looks at the outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. Ultimately, our job is to glorify God with our life, our work, our ministry, our money, our service, you fill in the blank. Hmm. And the Lord just began to stir my heart because the history of Grapevine is vast and it's deep. And there's been some amazing things that have happened. And if this word is for us today, that the, that the glory of the Lord in this temple today will be greater than the former glory, the past glory, I think God's people need to get ready. I think God's people need to be busy about our Father's business. I think that we need to be contending for souls. I think that we need to be Contending for the lost and the broken and the dying and the hurting. People keep telling me, even our own supervisor of the Foursquare, I met with him for lunch the other day. He says, Ron, I just got to tell you, I see, I see greatness in you. And he wasn't complimenting me. He was talking about capacity. He was talking about ministry. He was talking about, about, about future grapevine. He says, what, what, what do you see? And he says, what about... Your recovery ministry, there's so much going on there. What does that look like later? And he started saying things like, like, what's the name of the ministry? Dream Center. Thank you. And I said, yeah, it's part of my heart. It's part of who I am. It's, it's part of what drives me. It's, it's, it's part of the vision. It's part of my desire. And, and for God to do the things that God has spoken to my life for the last 20 years, if God is going to do, it's going to take a greater glory. It's going to take more of his presence. It's going to take an outpouring. Listen, my heart right now is broken for the, for the young, for the youth. My God, I'm driven. I'm driven. I want to have a place where kids can come to that's safe and, and they can be free and they can be themselves and, and no one's going to judge them. And they can love Jesus. present glory, the latter glory, is going to be greater than the former. And if you believe that, you'll stand in faith with me on that, stand with me. I preach hard, and I like to tell it like it is, but 
I want you to hear my heart today. I believe we're on the right track. I believe we're doing the right things. And I believe God is in control of our future. And I don't care where in this valley he puts me. I'm going to serve him. I'm going to serve him with my whole heart. It's not about a building. It's about the glory of God. Amen. It's about reaching our community. With every head bowed in this place. And you're here this morning and you'd say, you know, Pastor, I... I I haven't considered my ways. I I haven't given God priority in my life. I've I've never allowed him even to be Lord of my life. I've never asked that. I've never made that decision. I've even maybe assumed that I wasn't worthy or that he'd just always be there for me. And you're here this morning. You say, Pastor, I want Jesus in my life. I I want the glory of God in my life. I, I want to say yes to him. Would you raise your hand high in this place? Let me see you. Thank you. Praise God. Praise God. There's a stirring going on in the body of Christ. There's an awakening coming. And I'm not going to say it's it's coming. I'm going to say it's happening right now. You are that awakening. You are that stirring. Jesus, help us. Help us, Lord, to rest in you. Help us, Lord, to trust in you. And if there's one who raised their hand a minute ago who says, I've never invited Jesus to be Lord and Savior, we're going to pray this prayer together, and this is for you. If you would confess with your mouth and believe in your heart that Jesus is the Lord, you are saved. Say this with me, family. Say, Jesus, I need you. Forgive me of my sins. Thank you for taking them to the cross. I accept your forgiveness today. I accept life in you today. Help me to be free from sin. In Jesus' name.